I was noticing sometimes, uh, depending on where some people sit, I, uh, you were somebody was wrestling with a pillar last week. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna slight you a little bit over there so I have a clear line of sight because line of sight is important. Line of sight is important. You'll see it today. You'll see it today. Okay. So we come to a passage in Acts chapter three. It's it's an ex I didn't know what to call this message. I called it Rise Up and Walk. You could entitle this message, A Funny Thing Happened Today on the Way to the Temple. Yeah, I mean, you can get by with that one too, whatever your title is. Uh, so let me let me read the story for you, and then let's jump into it. And I hope that it brings as much joy and delight and life to you as it did to me when I read it and as I prepared the message for today. So Acts chapter 3, verses 1 down through verse 10. And if you have a creative bone in your body, try to imagine what this thing is picturing for you. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, eye contact. He looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, uh, I, I suppose you could read this story and say, well, that's an amazing story. That's nice. Too bad stuff like that doesn't happen today. But I'm here to tell you that that kind of stuff does and can happen today. And it doesn't, and, it, and it's not because so much about Peter or John. It's not even so much because of the problem the, the lame man had. It, it's about Jesus. It's about the name that we sang about a few moments ago. Uh, and we'll, we'll use that at the end, too. Now, when I was, uh, having been in ministry, you worked with a, a variety of groups. Men's group, women's group, well, not so much the women, but men's group. 
uh, church family kind of functions, children's ministry. And I remember uh, early on uh, when we were in upstate New York in the metropolis of Appalachian, a population of about 500 counting the dogs and cats, you know, whatever, whatever it might have been. It wasn't a big place. But, uh, but we had some really great people in that congregation who were deeply involved with Child Evangelism Fellowship. If you're not familiar with the organization, it's a really very good organization focused on trying to touch children with the message of the gospel. And so they would hold five-day clubs or they would hold good news clubs or whatever they would be. Or they have summer backyard Bible studies. And one of the things that I remember from that was some of the music that they did. And so for some of you, this might be familiar. For some of you, this is going to be really odd looking. But here's how it goes. Here's the, here's the song based on this story. <clears throat> Peter and John went to pray. They, they met a lame man on the way. He held out his palm and he asked for some alms. <laughs> and this is what Peter did say. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He went walking and leaping and praising God, walking and leaping and praising God. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So that's a children's song. I don't always get the coordinated work of it done right, but but that the kids love to do that. That's a good energy release. You know, you get moving and jumping all kind of thing. But I never forgot the song. And as, as much as it's a fun song, uh, it tells the story well. And so I want to look at the story a little bit. Uh, I suspect the early days of the church were, were not typical for churches, at least churches in our day. It was like fireworks every time the gang gathered together. Tongues of fire. There's smoke-filled places. The Spirit of God comes down. Thousands of people saved. Powerful messages and amazing demonstrations of the power of Jesus of Nazareth. And today we get this story that kind of sets up uh, the next quite some sermon from Acts chapter 3. I want to look at several different components of the story and hopefully be able to pull it together so it'll have meaning and impact to us. The first part that I'd love to look at is a divinely orchestrated appointment. A divinely orchestrated appointment. We've been talking a little bit about this in connection with the issue of prayer. You remember we had uh, several weeks ago now, and hopefully it's not too far off, that we've completely forgotten about it. But we had uh, the sheet that talked about uh, your most wanted list. And we encourage you to put the names of people that you've been prompted to pray for regularly. And on your most wanted list, hopefully there are neighbors or maybe there are relatives and, and maybe there are even people within the body of Christ here and you're praying for them. And I hope that if that sheet isn't too far away from your Bible that you'll, you, you, there's extra ones in the back, you can begin to cultivate that so you can begin to pray for people that God may bring across your pathway 
he may already have them there, and you're just aware of it now, and you're wanting to try to connect with them and be used as a source of encouragement and help the presence of Jesus into their life. Let me, let me just, uh, I'll, I'll just give you a last week illustration. Last week, um, our daughter and son-in-law and family were in visiting. Uh, he's on sabbatical, wraps up this week. He's somewhere, I don't know, but he's not here, wherever he is today. Uh, so that concludes the last Sunday of the sabbatical. So he'll be back in the saddle again next week. Uh, when, after service was done, uh, Sean went, uh, went out and was standing outside. And a fellow came walking by, and Sean engaged him in conversation. Found out that his name was Lamont, and he was new to the area and was connecting with his dad and, and tried to engage him. And it was a, we started talking about spiritual kind of stuff. Sean is wired that way. He, he just, he just he has a heart for Jesus and a heart for people. And just, so he just connects with them, you know. So uh, it ended up that you know, we brought Lamont in, and I think Frank talked with him, and so we've had some initial connection. But it, but I don't suppose anybody had Lamont on their prayer list. But if we have a heart to be people who are praying or asking God for those divine appointments, He'll send across our pathway those people that we need to connect with. He knows He can trust us with them, because there are people who are looking for need. A couple things about that divinely orchestrated appointment. The first is it happened during the routine habit of prayer. Verse 1 says they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, about 3 or at 3 in the afternoon. The Jewish people were, were, were very uh, regulated in established times of prayer. And it would, may have been personal prayer, may have been corporate prayer, whatever it may have been in terms of the nature of it. But they had prayer times. They had certain prayer times. Uh, if Jesus followed you around all week, I'm going from preaching to meddling here. If Jesus followed you around all week, would he be able to discern a habit of prayer for you, a time when you carved out some time to talk with him? Um, there's a sermon written by a fellow a Presbyterian guy named Robert Boyd Munger. The, the little brochure is called My Heart, Christ's Home. And he talks about the place in his heart uh, with an analogy of different rooms. And he talked about a withdrawing room where he would spend time alone with God. Uh, there are a lot of other rooms, and whether Jesus was welcome to those rooms or in those rooms is another issue, but but there was, a, there was a place where he could withdraw and he would be with Jesus. And, and Jesus would be there. Sometimes he would forget and go past that withdrawing room and not spend that time with him. But it was in the habit of prayer that this divinely orchestrated appointment occurred. I want to tell you that when you become a prayer-saturated person, any place can be a place of divine appointment because you're being, you're being sensitive to God's heart. You want him to work in you and through you. And he says, okay, I've got a guy, I've got a gal who's tuned up. They're in connection with me and they know that the solution for the problems of the world is not them. The solution to the problems of the world is Jesus. 
and and I can trust him or her to tell somebody about that, what the real answer is. It happens during the routine habit of prayer. It responds to a person in need. Verses 2 and 3 say, A certain man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those being in the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. That's the setup. They respond to a person in need. What are the needs that you and I encounter? They, they, they can be all kinds. This guy's looking for what? Money. He, he just needs money. Put yourself in this guy's shoes just for a minute. Talk to me. Talk to me. This is, this is not rhetorical. This is I want you to speak, speak to me. What do you think's going through this guy's mind? How does he feel about life? Give me some words. Huh? Down? Down? Desperate. Desperate. Yeah. Huh? Needy. Hopeless. Hopeless. Wow. How would you... You had no problem getting... Well, maybe you had a little struggle getting up the steps, you know. But you had no problem basically getting here today. No one had to carry you in. No one had to carry you in. You didn't have to sit outside at the bottom of the steps and hope for somebody to come by to pick you up to bring you in. You didn't have you 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 have mobility. You're able to do that. Many, if not most, here may have employment or some source of income. Uh, this guy is entirely dependent upon the goodwill of other people. And sometimes their goodwill is not all so good. It's not enough to pay the bills. What else, what else could go on in this guy's head? Huh? Sense of giving up? I, where it came from? Okay. Do you, ever, do you think that this guy would think that he is simply a burden in life? I mean, he, he's dependent, he has to impose on some other people to get him to a point where he has to beg. Have you ever gone out of, of a mall somewhere and there's some guy with a sign that says, you know, out of work, no food? Uh, I don't know what you do with that. Sometimes people are prepared to just give him a gift card from the local Wendy's or whatever to try to help. But, and, and that's probably what the guy was looking for, some money to, to care for whatever needs. It may have been the next meal. It may have been whatever to get some new clothes or whatever. I don't know, whatever, whatever his need was. But his need was material. But Peter and John had something more, more than just responding to the need. Now, I believe that we have an opportunity, if perhaps not even responsibility, to care for the needs of people, particularly within the body of Christ, but also outside. Uh, and we can't, uh, you know, we, we, the church used to play a more vital role in caring for the needs of people. And then we pushed it all to the government and said, let's let them do it. And and I, I won't, I, I'm, I had a very bad thought there, so I won't even go there. So, But uh, sometimes the church can do a better job than the government. I'll put it that way. Um, because because they're really 
motivated and heart to serve and all those kinds of things. But it responded to a person in need. When, when, when you and I are people of prayer, tuned in to God, and have our eyes looking for the needs of people, God can use us in some wonderful ways. It responds to people in need. And it results in a personal encounter. Verses 4 and 5. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I've been trying to do something this week intentionally. I've been trying to be much more intentional about looking at people. Now, not not uncomfortably staring at people. I don't want people to think I'm some kind of crazy guy, you know, or or some, something, something, some moral aberration somewhere or something, you know. Uh, so I think we have to be careful about that. But but you know, when you when you look at people, you get a chance to look into their eyes. Uh, have you ever noticed? When you are looking at people, what are the things that they're looking at? Sometimes it's us. Yeah. Did you ever try? You ever? I, I, I ran. I, we stayed at a hotel last night because we were up for a meeting last night with the search committee. And so uh, everywhere I was going, I was I was looking at people, you know. And I, I looked at the one person and. And uh, they, they engaged my eyes. I said, well, good morning. How are you doing? Good. Good. And uh, I, I, I got on the elevator, uh, and uh, someone was there, and they didn't want to engage me. Maybe the stranger danger. I don't know. I don't, maybe they didn't have my air cold right. I don't know what it was that, that caused them to. But sometimes people don't want to engage you. Sometimes... People can be carrying the weight of the world, and they're not even aware of you. Sometimes they're feeling so much that weight of the world that they don't even feel like they can lift their eyes up. They're weighted down. Peter and John intentionally said, look at us. I think there is power. I think there is power in the gaze of love. That can, that can break through barriers, that can help people come to a place of they're actually interested in me. They're actually caring about how I'm doing. How has the day gone? Um, talked to one of the gals that was working at the maid service. I said, well, how's your day going? Oh, pretty good. I said, how's the, how's the, the workload? You know, kind of. Well, it's 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 slowing up a little bit. The summer's come to an end. It should be a little bit easier. So just engage, small talk kind of thing. But you never know what those initial contacts will lead to. Sometimes you need to make that connection with people in those divine appointments to be used of God to move to next steps. And with God in your heart, the Spirit of God upon you, you can move to those things because he has ways of just kind of breaking down a lot of barriers. It was a divinely orchestrated appointment. The thing that was striking to me is that this man goes to the temple every day. 
my suspicion is <clears throat> that uh, Peter and John had passed that guy before. That's my guess. If he was there every day, it's going to be kind of hard. for them. If they're going up for the regular time of prayer, it's going to be kind of hard not to get familiar with people. It's like going to work, and now you know where the people are, and you just. but sometimes you don't see them. In this situation, God prompted the heart of Peter and John to spot him and really see him. Sometimes we don't see people. We're so busy with us that we don't see people. And that's a, that's a shortcoming or a danger for us. It certainly can be. Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something. He had, he had no real expectations other than maybe these two guys will do something to put something in my hand that will help me live another day. So this follows then with a clearly spoken word, verses 6 and 7. And this is the heart of the story, the heart of the song that I sang. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk, taking him by the hand, right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. There are two things to this. One is what I don't have, and what is what I do have. And you need to know the difference. You need to know what you've got, and you need to know what isn't all so important. Now, certainly for this fellow... Some material need would have helped him. And I don't doubt that probably at some point in time, Peter and John may have had some things to contribute to the man's life. But you know, when they discovered the things that were most important that the need was about, then the other things kind of took care of themselves. What I don't have, silver or gold, I do not have. Now, it, 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 it that may have been very true. I don't think it was a dodge. I think you know Peter and John were not wealthy, well-heeled people who could solve the problems of the poor of the world by just writing out a check. Some people might be able to do that. Um, there was one writer who recounts the story of Thomas Aquinas, who was an early uh, saint in the Roman Catholic Church. And uh, he once, Thomas Aquinas once called upon uh, one of the popes, Pope Innocent II, the story goes. And he did that when the, when the latter, when the pope was counting out a large sum of money. And so the pope says to St. Thomas Aquinas, Thomas Aquinas might not have been a saint then. That's a whole other issue, but be as it may. But the sum of money, he said, you see, Thomas, says the pope, the church can no longer say. Silver and gold have I none. To which Thomas Aquinas says, True, Holy Father, but neither can she now say, Rise up and walk. Now that's hard on the Roman Catholic folks, and, I, and I, I'm not here to hammer on them because it could, you could apply to whoever. But the point is, sometimes when we help with the material need only, we don't really provide the real solution for a person's need. And what they need to hear is rise up and walk in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. They didn't have silver and gold, but they did have a supernatural solution. 
The solution was given, but what I do have, I give you. Peter and John knew what Christ had done in them, and it resulted in their ability to give something that was greater than what they could do, even materially. Someone put it this way, you cannot lift another soul until you are standing on higher ground than they are. You must be sure if you would rescue the man that you yourself are setting the example of what you would have him to be. You cannot light a fire in another soul unless it is burning in your own soul. Teachers, the testimony that you bear, the spirit with which you teach and with which you lead is one of the most important assets that you can have. And as you help strengthen those who need so much, wherein you have so much to give, who of us, in whatever station we have been in, have not been needed strengthening? Somewhere along the way, God uses us to give what we, what's beyond our normal ability to do. It is a God thing. What I do have, I give you. The church of Christ has to be absolutely convinced that Jesus is the answer to the problems of people in our world. It, and it's not like I'm trying to make you into a bunch of weird, preachy people. It's just I just want us together to live the life of Christ under the power of the Spirit of God, saturated with prayer, so that when he leads us across the life of a person who is in need, and they're out there all over the place all the time, and if we'll just have eyes to see, and if we'll be courageous enough to connect with them, it is amazing what God can do. It, it, it it's the solution that's given. It's a, there's a challenge that's made, and the challenge comes from Peter's lips, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. I, NIV doesn't use rise up and walk, but that's okay. The, the, the emphasis is the same. It's the challenge. Sometimes when we give a challenge, it, it, calls, for, it calls for a response. The easy thing would have been to give the guy money. It wouldn't have cost him anything. He just would have been able, he just would have had a hand that's a little more full. But this approach, in terms of what Peter and John did have, the solution that they had that was given, the challenge that was made in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, it called for a response from people, from that particular person that he was. It always calls for a response from people. So stop and think a moment about the people that God has led across your pathway this past week. Maybe there are some old friends you connect with. Maybe there are some new friends you made, whether it's a school setting or whatever. Maybe some of you are going to be starting back into the salt mines this next week in terms of teaching aid and all those kinds of things that are important pieces and or teachers. Um, when, when that occurs, you put the challenge out there and invite people to make a response. I saw something on Facebook. I think it came through either yesterday or maybe it was even this morning, probably yesterday, about a teacher that had gone back to school, and she tried a little different thing. I thought it was kind of novel. Um, she, says, I have, she says, I have today, class, I have, I have with me today a garbage bag, a garbage bag. And uh, here's what I would like you to do. How many of you are carrying stuff with you? Maybe it's things that have happened to you this summer, maybe whatever it may have been. How many of you are carrying burdens or problems or this garbage you're just carrying around with you today? 
And she says, so here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to take out a piece of paper from a notebook that uh, Judy Stroh provided. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know if that, that wasn't on Facebook. But, but at any rate, take out a piece of paper and write down what the garbage is, what that junk is, what that burden is. Just write it down. And I want you to crumple it up. I want you to come up and throw it in, in the garbage bag. The kids did that. And it was amazing the opportunity that opened up for that teacher to begin to dialogue with the students about what do you do with the wounds? What do you do with the hurts? What do you do with the problems or the burdens? Where do you take them? And I realized that just throwing something in the bag won't necessarily clear things out, but it opened a process just by being a little bit more creative in the dialogue of things. It was a challenge that was made. There was also a touch extended. And I, 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 I think I might understand this. Um, the scriptures say, verse 7, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. I think there is power in the human touch. Um, it, it's not magic. That's why when I prayed for Elsa and I prayed for Paige, I, I, I just kind of, on behalf of you, just kind of put my arm around them. And I know in our day, it can get crazy, but, but I think there is power in that touch. Like there's power in the human touch. So don't, when you're rightly motivated, when you're rightly motivated and the heart of Christ comes through you, don't be afraid of that. And I know that I have to be wise as serpents and cautious and all that kind of thing, but and there may be restrictions. You know, teachers may not be able to just kind of do that. You know, I, I, I don't know what schools are like, but I know that there is power in human touch. Sometimes just, just put your hand on their shoulder. There's just power in that. And here he reaches and takes him by the hand and helps him up. Now, I'm sure if Jesus was going to heal a guy, the guy could have jumped up like he had a jetpack on. I, I, I think he probably could have done that. He really didn't need Peter to help him up. But it was the human touch. It was the healing touch of Jesus flowing through that person. And... Uh, Isaiah illustrates this when he says, your God will come with vengeance. He will come and save you. The, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. The ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart and as a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. That's oratorial material uh, as well. Don't be afraid to extend your hand to care for people about you. Clearly spoken word. It's not my word. It is God's word. I, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Walk. And I believe we need to be courageous people who are able to speak that word into the lives of people. Inviting them to make a response. The last part in this particular story, in verses 8 through 10, finally, amazingly, is a miraculous healing. Now, I believe that in the early church especially, those healings 
were intended to demonstrate God's divine power. Uh, I think it was I think it was one of the things that the early church uh, pressed into. Uh, I think that there is teaching in the scripture about what we call the Lord for the body and the place of divine healing or calls for the elders of the church to pray over, a call for the elders of the church to pray over him and the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. Uh, I, I believe that's the place of divine health and healing. The children's bread is a language that is used in another portion in the Gospels. But I think that these kind of situations are simply the power of God set loose to capture the attention of people around so they hit, so they get ready to hear the word, the message. And that's we'll, we'll, next week we'll move into, a, I, I guess I can't title it quite some sermon because I already preached that title once. So this will be quite some sermon too or something next week, whatever we, whatever we deal with it. But, but a miraculous healing. There is restoration of health. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Here's a guy n- not previously doing that, always being carried about where he needs to go, that now jumps to his feet and begins to walk. Normal people don't do that. But when God intervenes in the life of a person and shows up in miraculous might and power, uh, he's the one that gets the attention. Uh, a former church vice president, ministry ministry vice president by the name of John Soper tells a story, and he does this on in uh, some of the Alliance core value material that's on the National Office website, if you ever want to check it out, CMA, DNA, and whatever the other titles are. But he tells the story of, of how one day uh, he was called to the hospital and a, a young boy in his congregation had been, I think it was in an accident or something like that, and, uh, and they, uh, they were not able to save him. Uh, the boy died. And John uh, said he felt prompted to simply linger a little while and pray. He said, I've not really been prompted to do that before. It was just kind of an unusual, but it was a sense in which I could not get away from it. So he went back in, uh, just prayed over that boy, and then left, went out with the family. Five minutes later, maybe, the, the, the nurse comes out to the waiting room where the parents are, and John is, and said, your son is alive. And they, how can that be? And and so they go back, and sure enough, this boy had come back to life. John said, that's the only time I've ever been prompted to pray for somebody that way. I, I haven't been prompted to do that since, but that was but I just felt I needed to do, do that. And God answered prayer. Uh, I, I suppose you could naturally look at that and say, well, maybe he really wasn't dead, and he finally just kind of came back to life. And That's fine. I don't care how you, you, you can parse that thing any way you want. But they said he was dead, and now he's sitting up. So to me, that's a God thing, particularly when you get that mix of a guy who feels prompted to go back in and just in obedience to God pray over this, this boy. It, it, there was the restoration of health. He jumped to his feet. There is a restoration of community. He says, they, then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. 
Do you know where the one place this lame guy was not permitted before? Into the temple courts. He couldn't go in. Talk about feeling bad. Oh, I have to beg out here. I can't even get into the temple. I'm, I'm, I'm excluded from community of faith. But no longer does that happen. When God miraculously heals somebody, he brings us into community. He puts us in connectedness with brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know that sometimes that gets weird looking because y'all are weird. We're weird people sometimes. And so you don't get to pick and choose on some things. But all, all I'm saying is that God brings us together in the chemistry of community and does some amazing thing. The fact that this man was able to enter the temple may very well take on a spiritual as well as a physical dimension. Being whole through the power of Christ, he, he was no longer excluded from the sacred space. By associating Christ's ability to heal with access to the temple, this healing symbolically testifies of the spiritually healing power of the atonement to give us access to the presence of God. And that's a lot of theological words, but it simply says God can do something in you to get you from the outside to the inside. So you're not on the outside looking in. You're on the inside enjoying the privileges of relationship in proximity to God. Sometimes we talk about that in terms of evangelism. We talk about how we long to bring people who are far away from God Near to God. That's that's evangelism. Bringing people who are far away from God. Bringing them near to God to make them fully devoted disciples of Jesus Christ. And it resulted in a testimony. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wonder and amazement. That's not the first time you find those phrases used in the scripture. Wonder and amazement. It's like... It, it's, it's, have you seen the commercial of the new GMC truck with the tailgate that goes down? You know, it goes down and flops and provides a step. And then this GMC commercial goes, the truck goes by, and all the other tailgates sitting in the Ford, like, well, flop, 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 flop. Just like, you know, that kind of thing. It's just like, wow. You know, they're, wow. Wonder, amazement kind of thing. And uh, I suppose for the people here, it says, when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, one miracle sometimes leads to a whole lot of other problems sometimes. And we'll get into that uh, when we move on through into the third chapter. But uh, I guess, I guess I, all I do is I wrap up, uh, I put it this way. It's amazing what God can do through someone who is willing to be available to his promptings, dependent on his power, and willing to give what they have in the name of Jesus. Here's the question. Is that you? Is that me today? You don't have to be a super Christian to be used of God in the lives of people he has you encountering each day. Just fat. Now, I'm... I'm I, I'm not talking about physical dimension here. A little acronym. People who are faithful, who are available, and who are teachable. Through whom God can work for the greater glory and power of his name. Rise up. Rise up, church, with courage. Rise up, 
people with heart to be able to touch the lives of people about you, that he is orchestrating your way in divine encounter appointment. Let's pause for prayer and then we'll, we'll sing one closing song. So, Father, wow, it would have been so cool to walk beside Peter and John. We, we might have been reaching into our pockets when Peter said, I don't have silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And we might not have been so bold to say that. Because what if it didn't work? We might have been among those who just kind of come back a little bit. But thank you, Father, for the courage. And thank you even more for the power of God demonstrated, still able, still sufficient for the needs of people. You may not heal someone miraculously, but you might change the heart of a sinful man or woman or young person and turn them from darkness to light, and that's equally a miracle of God. Nobody else can do that. So by your great grace, by your great grace, help us to be people who are confident to give what we have because Jesus has done something in us and trust you for the results, whatever it looks like. For what you'll do, we'll thank you. Praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.